This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. All right, so now we're coming down to, uh, we're getting ready to turn a corner here in just a few uh, passages, but I want to call your attention to 1 Peter chapter uh, 5, and uh, let's look, if you will, uh, with me at uh, verse number 11. Uh, actually, I want to go to uh, verse 10 to launch our study tonight, and I pray that it has been a blessing to you. This has been a marvelous book, and we started some time ago, and uh, it's just hard to believe we're coming to a close of this great book, and uh, then we will start our study together in Second Peter, and uh, I hope that you'll be here to study and learn the Word of God. But I'm going to read for you in First Peter 5, verse number 10 here in just a moment. So let's look at this passage of Scripture here. Um, there's something I want to call to your attention as we get towards the end here. In First Peter chapter 5, verse 10, the word says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while. And this is pretty much where we left off last Wednesday night because I want to reiterate and remind you and testify just a little bit here in this particular verse. And I think we all can identify. When Jesus said this, take up your cross and follow me. Sometimes I think we can take scriptures so much out of context. And maybe we even question God sometimes when we do that and we say, God, why, why do you allow all of this burden, this problem, these troubles and trials to fall on me? Now, I can understand why they happen in sister so-and-so's life, and I can understand why brother so-and-so spends the majority of his time in trouble. But God, why do you allow this stuff to happen to me? Well, I want you to understand when Jesus said that following him would be a cross life, we have to remind ourselves often when we get into those predicaments that he never said, he never said, take up your picnic basket and follow me. He said, take up your cross. Following him is a cross life. I'm thankful that he bore the cross for us, aren't you? And as we follow him, we also take up the cross. But this word, suffered a while, suffered. I want you to look at this and maybe underline it in your Bible. And I want to give you the statement, and perhaps you can write it down in the margin of your Bible, but I think it, it would serve you well tonight in the study, and it would serve you well whenever troubles and trials come your way, and you're perplexed, and maybe you're wounded in spirit. Remember this, if you will. Suffering is the storm cloud that provides the canvas on which God paints the rainbow. I'm going to give you that again, and I want you to think this through, because here we find this word suffered. And, you know, typically we don't identify Christianity with suffering just on the surface of the word, but truly when you consider it, 
and following Jesus and that there is a cost in doing that. We're going to suffer. Here it goes. Suffering is the storm cloud that provides the canvas on which God paints the rainbow. Now, if you can remember that, you write it in the margin of your Bible, when you get down and out, maybe even depressed, the wind knocked out of your sail, so to speak, remember this, God does not allow storms in our life for nothing. It's always for a reason. So don't let your storm be in vain. Always acknowledge the almighty hand of God in your life. Now, as we press on with that, verse number 11, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We sing an old, old hymn from time to time here in our services. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Now, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. That'll be a grand day when we stand before his throne and we, according to the scriptures in Revelation, we will sing around his throne, worthy is the lamb for eternity. And uh, what, a, what a blessed time that will be with the Lord. You know, Amazing Grace says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. Well, 10,000 years compared to eternity is a drop in the bucket. I like how this is attached. Peter uses this, this phrase, forever and ever. Amen. All right, now look at verse number 12. About Sylvanius, and I'm going to clarify that for you here in just a minute. It, it reminded me of what uh, Brother Greg was reading here in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 2. He, he made reference to a word. Actually, it's a two-part word. And I don't know how many of you uh, are familiar with uh, the, the wording Kadesh Barnea. And that was in Deuteronomy chapter 2 tonight. Kadesh Barnea... It was the, for lack of better ways to say it, it was the front door, so to speak, to the promised land. That, that was the beginning. Now, when you come across words like that in the Scripture, you, if you just read it, now you don't have anybody to teach you. You don't take time to study. You, you kind of like speed read over those things, and it really doesn't have an impact. When you consider the children of Israel and how they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, you come across a word like Kadesh Barnea, it's always good to know what does that mean. Here in this passage of Scripture, there's another word or another name, and I'm going to identify him for you here in just a minute. But Sylvanius, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose, I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. Now, so Peter, when he's writing here, he mentions that he had great confidence in his colleague. And his colleague, he calls by the name Sylvanius. So Sylvanius was the man who had carried this particular letter, this epistle. He carried this to various churches as the early church was beginning to spread like wildfire in Jerusalem and to regions beyond, Peter had a, a most respectful friend called Sylvanius. 
And he trusted him to take his writings to the various local churches that was around. But I want to show you something here because Savanius, as Peter mentions, was probably, and you know him better by Silas. Now, that's a very important Bible character. You heard the old saying, Paul and Silas. Do you remember at first when the Apostle Paul began his missionary journeys and he had three great expeditions, but when he first started his missionary journey, you remember he took Barnabas with him. We, we're very familiar with the friendship, the kinship between Paul and Barnabas. Well, Paul, Paul and Barnabas, they had, unfortunately, they had a sharp disagreement. They had contention between them over the young convert, John Mark. So you remember somewhere along that first expedition going towards the second and involving the planning and prep and some legwork in that, John Mark decided, hey, I'm... I've had enough of this. I'm going home. So when Paul and Barnabas get ready to plan their next crusade, so to speak, Barnabas brings up the fact, hey, John Mark wants to come with us. And Paul said, oh, 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 oh. we don't have time for that. He, he gets a little bit down the road and he gets homesick, whatever. He gets grumpy. He complains. He wants to quit. I'm not going with him. I've tried this. It doesn't work. And Barnabas said, no, we're going to take him. And Paul said, oh, no, we're not. And so then the apostle Paul and Barnabas, they had this great conflict over this young convert, John Mark. So what happened was Paul and Barnabas separated. It was like the contention that Abraham and Lot had in the Old Testament. The scriptures teach us that Abraham's herdsman, and Lot's herdsman, you know that Lot was the nephew of Abraham. They had sharp contention. The herdsman could not get along, and this was creating enormous strife, not only among the herdsmen, but in the family. And so Abraham, he goes to Lot, and he says, look, we can't do this. We cannot strive together here. This is too, too much, too much of a mess. And so Abraham, he says to Lot, he said, you pick any direction you want to go in and whatever you choose, I'll go the other way. And so that's exactly what they did. But the reason why they had taken different channels or different courses is because there was so much strife. Now, in the New Testament, we find this thing happening where Paul and Barmanus had the strife and the contention. So Barnabas took John Mark and Paul, remember he chose Silas. You remember that? All right. So probably, and the reason why I say that, I'm going to give you a couple of uh, scriptures here to look at. Well, let's look at one primarily in second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 19, Paul writes this, and I want you to see how easily it is to connect Silas to Silvanius and, uh, and see how this probably was him. So, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached, 
among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. So, looking at the scripture now, Paul chose Silas to be his comrade, but he also was grooming or he was training, he was educating, he was a mentor to Timothy. In fact, Paul said that Timothy was his child in the faith, and Timothy looked at Paul to be his father in the faith. So, um, in all probability, Silvanius was uh, the comrade who Paul chose to work with, but he was also, as we see in this passage, a dear friend to Peter who helped him get the message, the letter, the epistle out to other local churches. All right, verse 13, 1 Peter 5, 13. The church that is in Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son. All right, so this was probably in reference to Rome. This, this epistle was traveling everywhere. Now, in verse 14, the word says this, Greet you one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now this, this was a custom. This is how, you know, we're very familiar with uh, a handshake or a hug or something of that nature. This, in Bible days, was a custom of the people. This is how they greeted one another. Greet you one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you, all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I want you to see a passage uh, in Luke chapter 24, verse number 36, as we wind up this passage tonight in relationship with this. In Luke chapter 24, in verse number 36, the Bible says, And as they thus spake, Jesus stood in the midst of them and said unto them, look at this, peace be unto you. And as we close out 1 Peter 5, 14, we find this beautiful word. Peter says, peace be with you. Here in this passage, um, he is writing that as well. Luke spoke of it. Um, and so this thing of peace in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no better place to be in all the world than to be at peace with him. It's a big difference between having the peace of God and peace with God. Now, you can have peace with God. When you have that reconciliation, when you have come under the blood, when you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can have peace with God. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you receiving that, confessing and repenting of sin brings us into that relationship where we can be reconciled unto God, where we can have peace with God. But to have peace of God is what we were talking about just a few moments ago, that when we're struggling in the, in the depths of turmoil and pain and agony, and we don't know why, but we're hurting. We're just train wrecked on the inside. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, 
about having the peace of God that passeth all understanding. And so as a Christian, as a believer, your life can be train-wrecked. Yet knowing that you have peace with God, you would be amazed and blessed, and some of you have hundreds and hundreds of times, as the Holy Spirit gives you peace, the peace of God. You know that no matter what, that God's presence will never leave you, he will never forsake you, and that he's always with you. And so there's no better place to be than to be in Jesus Christ who gives us that ultimate peace. Well, this has been a great book, and I've enjoyed it, and we've had a great time studying together. And tonight we get into this next epistle, Second Peter chapter 1. I want us to look at this. Um, as we have spent much time talking about Peter in chapter 1, I want to take some time to refresh some memories with us here from chapter 1 as we go in verse number 1 of Second uh, Peter chapter 1. I want to take the first two words of verse number 1, and I want us to look at this carefully. Peter identifies who's the writer. He says, Simon Peter. All right, I want us to look at this because there are a few things about St. Peter or Simon Peter or Peter. There are a few things about his name that we should know. One of which, because as he refers to himself in this passage, Simon. Now, there are many Simons in the Bible. And that's, that's why it's important to study not only uh, geographically where things occur, but that you know what person the Scripture is in reference to when it mentions Simon, because there are several passages where just the word or name Simon appears. You have to know. You have to look at it and take it in context. Here in this passage, Simon Peter. Now, the word Simon is somewhat associated with Peter's fall, his downfall, his going astray, his waywardness. And I want you to see what I'm talking about. In Luke chapter 22 and verse number 31. So if you're taking notes, perhaps right beside these two names, Simon, Peter, you write this passage down. In Luke chapter 22 and verse number 31, the word says this. And the Lord said, now look at it very carefully. He didn't say Peter, Peter. He said, Simon, Simon. It's just like when Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you. When you have those words that oftentimes repeat themselves, it's to give you special attention that Jesus is, is greatly emphasizing what he's about to say. And not to say that any of the things he said was not important, but when he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he's saying, listen very carefully. And so here you notice where he doesn't say Peter, Peter. He says Simon, Simon. But not just that. Look what is associated with, with this double reference to Simon. because This is definitely in reference to Simon Peter. But the word says, Jesus is speaking to him. The Lord said, Simon, Simon. 
behold, he was saying, look carefully what's happening around you. Give this great consideration. Take heed. Jesus was saying, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. All right? Now, you're looking at chapter 22, verse 31. So I want you to see what happened in chapter 24. In chapter 24, look at verse 33 and 34. All right? Luke chapter 24, verse 33 and 34. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Okay? The scripture doesn't say Peter, even though this is Peter. The Lord is giving us the inspiration as we're looking at his name. And so we know that Peter, we know what Peter's name means, a stone. But Simon, when you think about this, every time you find these repetitious sayings of Jesus, Simon, Simon, you you connect them. You can see the connection with him uh, being taken in, in such a way to where Satan has got the victory in his life. And if we're not careful as believers, Satan can very easily get the victory in our life. The name Peter, this is important, the name Peter was not fully restored to Peter until Jesus publicly restored him on the shores of Galilee. Let me show you what I mean. In John chapter 21, St. John chapter 21, I want us to look at verses number 15 through 17. And I want you to follow along. We have these words, or these scriptures on the screen for you. So when they had dined, Jesus said to si look at this, Simon Peter, now keep in mind what we have read thus far, Simon, Simon, and Simon is all the same person, Simon Peter. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah or Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now, you have to remember what, what is happening. Do you remember... And this is precious if you get this marvelous truth. Do you remember what Jesus told Peter the night before, or the night before he was betrayed? Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, Peter, he said, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. You remember what Peter said? He said, not me, Lord. He said, I'll go to jail with you. I'll die for you. You won't have to worry about this, Peter. Not, not Simon Peter. No, God, not me. But we know the tragedy that took place. He did deny the Lord three times. Now think of this. The crucifixion had taken place. The resurrection had taken place. 
And when you read Luke chapter 1, the Bible teaches us that Jesus, when he came out of the grave, he showed himself alive for 40 days after his resurrection. Now, in those 40 days, he, the Bible said he did many wonderful miracles. But you remember that Jesus was walking by the shores of Galilee, Matthew chapter 4 particularly. I'm going to come back to the scripture in just a minute. And he had called them to be fishers of men. Fishing was a trade. It was their livelihood. After all of the horrific things that took place in the denial, the crucifixion, the resurrection, Jesus now, he's, he's already appeared in the upper room. He's already appeared. You know, Thomas had the problem with doubting. We know that story. We're well familiar with doubting Thomas, so they say. So Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he's calling out to the, to the guys. They're out there fishing. They fished all night, didn't catch anything. You remember what Jesus said? He said, have you any meat? They said, no, we hadn't caught anything. And Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. That's what they did. They cast their net on the other side, and the Scripture says they caught so many fish they could hardly bring them in. But here's the interesting thing. While they were reeling in the fish and getting them in the boat, trying to get them in the boat, Jesus was on the shore, and he had already prepared them breakfast. He had already prepared them to fish. Now, where, now do you think Jesus was out there with a fishing pole? Here's the thing. It's one of the miracles that we find in the Scripture. Jesus had already prepared the breakfast. He had already prepared the fish. These guys are bringing in the nets. They're bringing in the boats. They're bringing in the fish. They identify the Lord, and so they are having breakfast. And Jesus calls Peter to the side. And here's what we pick up here. So when they had dined, after they had ate, Jesus said to Simon Peter, look at this, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? Now, there's great speculation and debate what he was in reference to, and I've taught you this many times, but it's good to be rehearsed in this. Because they were fishermen, Jesus could have said or could have meant, do you love me more than those fishing poles? Do you love me more than these? Or he could have said, do you love me more than the boats? He could have meant, do you love me more than these other disciples, Peter, do you love me more than James and John and Andrew? He said, do you love me more than these? The main thing is the word Jesus used, for lovest thou me. Jesus was in reference when he said to Peter, do you have an unconditional love for me, Peter? Now, this word, and that's, that word, by the way, is agape. But Peter did not pick up on what Jesus was asking him. And everywhere he turned, he, he seemed to get himself in trouble of some sort. And so when he was asked this question of Jesus, he responded, in this Greek word, Lord, I affiliate you. 
Lord, I have a brotherly love for you. Look what he says. Lovest thou me? Jesus was saying, do you agape me? And he said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest. And Peter answered, I affiliate thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. All right, we go to verse 17, and the word says this. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? The interesting thing that I want you to know is in that first line of verse number 17, he saith unto him the third time. Now take this into consideration. Peter had denied Jesus how many times? Three times. Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to reaffirm his love three times. That's precious. Now look at this. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? So he's asked Peter twice, do you agape me? And Peter is saying, Lord, I affiliate you. Peter, do you agape me? Do you have an unconditional love for me? And Peter said, Lord, you know, I affiliate you. I have a brotherly love for you. Now, Peter gets it on the third time. Peter was grieved. Look at that. Because he, Jesus, said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? So the reason why Peter was grieved is because Peter had already answered, Lord, I affiliate you, I affiliate you. So when Jesus asked Peter the third time, he says, okay, then do you affiliate me? Do you really affiliate me? Do you really have a brotherly love? And when Jesus changed the context, when he changed the meaning, and he stooped down to Peter's brotherly love when he said, Peter, do you affiliate me? And the Bible says that because of that, when Jesus asked him the third time, he was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me, do you affiliate me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I agape you. The love that I have for you, Lord, is unconditional. I gave you that love in the upper room and I let you down. I denied you three times. But Lord, since all of that, he was saying, Lord, I am committed. I am totally given to you. And forgive me of those wayward moments and those terrible hours in my life and I confess it. Lord, I have so much more than a brotherly love for you. I have an agape love. I have an unconditional love. And notice the three times here, Jesus is saying to him, Peter, feed my sheep. Look at that. And so when you read this passage of, of Scripture, the name Simon is associated with Peter's human weakness and his failures, but he was also Peter, not just Simon. He was Simon Peter. 
And so we'll wrap this part of the study up tonight with this particular thought that in spite of his shortcomings, do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was about to be uh, betrayed? Remember Judas Iscariot came running in the garden leading that Roman centurion band in there and he put the kiss on Jesus' cheek and he said, Hail, Master, and identified him as, as Jesus. Uh, the thing that I want you to remember about that particular story is that Peter was the one who drew his sword and cut the right ear off of Malchus. He had, a, he, he had such a short fuse and he had a temper and he was always getting himself into trouble and saying things that he regretted. But here's the thing that I want you to know about Simon Peter is that whenever you see him in the scripture in reference to the other disciples, he's never listed like this, James, John, and Peter. Andrew, Bartholomew, and Philip, and Peter. Every time you see Peter in reference in the scripture with these other disciples by name, it is always Peter. James and John. Jesus gave him that noble place, head and shoulders over the rest of them. He's always at the head of the list when the other apostles are named. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.